Welcome to PNC C-Speak, the language of executives. I'm Carol Daniel. Each podcast features local and regional C-level executives talking about relevant and timely business topics. This knowledge sharing platform provides insights on forward-thinking business approaches that disrupt the status quo and encourage business leaders to think differently. Today, I'm joined by the regional president of PNC, Michael Scully, and our guest today, Kyle Chapman, president of Barry Waymiller. Kyle, let me start with business strategy, of course. That's a good topic. But the profound care for people, you guys have found an intersection there. But talk about the possibilities, because some business leaders may not think they can even arrive at that intersection. Yeah, Carol, uh, Carol, Michael, thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be on here. And uh, the intersection of good business strategy and people is foundational to what we do here at Barry Waymore. It is the foundation of our belief and of our business strategy that we can operate with people and performance in harmony, not one in sacrifice of the other, which is really difficult to accomplish, but it's critical to build a business that builds enduring value over time. And so, you know, fundamentally, businesses don't create value. People do. When we provide meaningful work in an environment they feel safe, valued, and trusted, amazing things happen. We see it every day across all of our businesses. And in the end, business is a team sport. And when people are inspired and supported, they're given the freedom to play their roles at the highest level, amazing things happen. Everybody wins. So I just thought I'd give a quick story about how kind of this intersection came into play. And I kind of go back to the 2008, 2009 financial crisis where the whole world felt came to a crashing halt. And so during that time as an industrial equipment business, our orders just fell off a cliff, right? And so we're staring at lower business prospects. We're staring at people losing jobs, the stock market eroding value, houses uh, being eroded in value. The world kind of essentially was coming to, it felt like it was coming to an end. But, you know, I sat in the room when we started deciding if we are true to our culture, if we truly measure success by the way we touch the lives of people, how are we going to handle decision-making in this crisis? And we use that why as our filter for everything. And what it ultimately did is it led to shared sacrifice. It led to us doing things as a community as a that our culture enabled. It provided us agility. We were able to make trade-offs. Team members were helping team members. And you saw our culture, which had been 10 years in the making, come to life. It could have easily been discarded by making a number of quick, rash decisions because all of our competitors were suffering. They were, in fact, losing money. We at Barry Waymiller, we didn't have the same profits as we did the year before, but we weren't losing money. And so there are people and our performance were in harmony. It was in the toughest of times that that came together. And we snapped out of that business, that, that downturn incredibly well as a stronger business with a stronger, more emboldened culture. Fast forward that to today, right? We just went through a pandemic we had to exhibit the same muscles and make those same decisions with our culture as our filter. And again, we are exiting the pandemic stronger than we entered it because of how we approached people and how we handled our business strategies. And it was, 
you know, I'm just so proud of our team members because we really demonstrate demonstrated what people and performance can truly look like when they're working together in harmony and not in sacrifice of one another. So Kyle, what, what I find incredible about that story is the fact that you operate you know, many, many different countries, uh, 28 different countries, I think it is. You've had over 100 acquisitions. How do you make that culture come to life in so many places like that? Yeah, I would, I'd love to say it's easy because it feels easy in second nature today, but it's a lot of hard work. And the way we make it come to life is simply by going out and listening to our team members, Michael. We are out communicating. We're being transparent about where we want to go. We aren't hiding things. We're you know, teaching people how to listen. We're, we're working on culture every day because it is as much an important part of who we are as our business strategy, as our locations, right? And so culture is just in our DNA and it's so important to us and we've seen the power of it that it's just, it takes time, it takes patience, it takes courage to, you know, to educate people and to, to take the time and sit with people and help them know what it means to be a part of Barry Waymore. And so, um, you know, we teach people how to do it now. We, we've really kind of tried to I hate, I always hate saying this institutionalized culture, but in, you know, as a $3 billion organization for us to grow, you know, the double over the next 10 years or whatever, we have to have that kind of commonality of language, you know, let people know what we believe in, let people know that they matter and make sure we're just listening really on a daily basis. I dare say, Kyle, most manufacturers don't think about that kind of thing. They, they don't think about culture. Why do you? Well, you know, and it's articulated a bit in the book uh, my dad wrote called Everybody Matters. And you know, what we found is, you know, Barry Waymuller has been around since 1885. And it really kind of Barry Waymuller 2.0 started in the late 80s. And my dad, who's uh, the chairman and CEO of the organization, was running the business to build a company that, you know, had balance and diversity, et cetera. Never a good culture. Right. So he built businesses. We entered distressed companies, turned around organizations, and I would say used brute force to build the organization. He used standard management uh, philosophies to try to build shareholder returns and, and create things for personal gains, et cetera. It wasn't until the late 90s and into the early 2000s, we started having a series of epiphanies that showed us that <laughs> focusing on people as much as we did on performance was uh, the right thing to do. The way we lead impacts the way people live. And what we were finding is certain things we were doing, we were entering businesses that were literally the nucleus of the town that were in bankruptcy, right? And if the business fails, the town fails. And so we, were, we had these series of epiphanies that like, just certain initiatives, whether it was games we were playing, that these leaders, they were being asked to do things nobody had ever asked them to do. We were asking their opinion. We were engaging their heads and their hearts in the business, not just telling them what to do. And, and again, that kind of kept happening again and again, not by design, almost on accident. But then when we put it all together, it showed us that we have the our number one uh our number one philosophy in leadership is that we've got to take care of the people who've entrusted their lives to us. 
right? That's, that's what it, leadership is all about. Whether you're leading a business, whether you're a manufacturing or financial services, whether you're the head of an educational institution, the key is to take care of those people that are in your span of care and make sure they go home fulfilled, healthy, so they can be great members to their family, to their communities, great spouses, great parents, et cetera. And that's what it's all about. And again, once we kind of crystallize what that meant, which really happened in the early 2000s, man, it's been a, it's been a rocket ship. We have been taken off and it's been just unbelievable. We didn't do it for that reason, but that's been the outcome. Kyle, one of the reasons you've taken off like a rocket ship is you've had so many uh, acquisitions and each time it's no doubt a challenge. But it strikes me that one of the strategies on acquisitions is the private equity model where you buy it, you build it, and you quickly sell it. In reading your, uh, in your website, you said your acquisitions are more like an adoption than an acquisition. And you do so with a lifetime hold. And that really weaves into your comments about family, per people's personal lives. I wonder if you might comment upon that and if you had any examples of companies you've bought where that's, that's really uh, shown forth. Yeah. I'll, so acquisitions are part of our DNA. Do we have like 45 minutes or an hour to talk about this just by itself? This is a big deal for us. So, you know, this is how we got to where we are. We've done about 115 acquisitions since 1989. And our original strategies, again, like I mentioned earlier, were around balance and kind of attacking certain technologies and businesses and, and really seeing value where others did it, right? So we kind of went after discarded businesses, businesses that were on tough times, not perfectly run businesses, growing, et cetera. That's unique to us as an operator. Most Back in the day, most private equity firms wouldn't have touched those businesses. So, um, you know, we were out literally saving towns and businesses. A great example is we bought a, uh, um, companies that make corrugating equipment. And it's now, we did about 11 acquisitions in that area. You could add up the EBITDA or the earnings of all of those businesses and you wouldn't get to zero, right? They're just They were all in financial distress for the most part. And today it's a thriving, flourishing, growing business with innovation and global organizations. It's been an unbelievable story. And so many people told us, don't even touch it. And so we kind of injected business strategy and culture um, and, you know, built a great business. But, you know, our thinking has evolved over the last 10 years a little bit, uh, Michael. You know, we launched uh, BW Foresight Partners about 12 years ago, which is our hybrid investment arm, where we take money from Barry Waymler and go out and build other Barry Waymlers. Similar strategies. We try to push. We, we, we don't try to. We push culture all the stuff into these businesses. But we moved away from saying we only buy distressed businesses to we buy businesses underperforming their potential. They may be growing, they may have great earnings, they may have great, but they aren't doing everything that they could. And we bring a game plan to them that helps them achieve their full potential. And so essentially, you know, we're business builders, right? We're focused on driving long, term value creation for stakeholders, for all stakeholders and creating caring cultures. Okay. So what does that mean? We don't buy, build and flip for financial gains. We aren't standard private equity. And I don't think private equity people are bad. I think they're fantastic people. I think the model is just set up for that. We are a different story. 
when we make an investment decision to bring a, a, over a company, we are doing it for life, right? That's why you read on our website, we, they're almost more akin to an adoption, right? Our goal is to be permanent homes uh, for these newly acquired team members. And we wanna build upon the legacies in, that existed before our ownership, right? Today, you can sell to a public company, you can sell to private equity, or with this new model that we created 10 years ago, you could sell to somebody that's going to take care of your people and take care of the legacy that you built and help it fulfill its, um, its potential. And that's the wedge we tried to drive into either selling to a big strategic company or selling to a private equity organization. And so, you know, listen, we, we not only did it to build and diversify our organization, but we did it so that we could increase the amount of lives we're impacting with our culture. Cultural strategy is as important as business strategy, operating strategies, financial strategies, et cetera. We go in and help connect people to the why. We help people realize that everybody matters and what it means to live in our culture. We articulate those values and then we put in processes to live them. And so that is as much part of our acquisition strategy as anything else. And you know, our key philosophies, Michael, are, you know, we only invest in things we understand into which we add value. We're not chasing returns. We're not chasing herd mentality. We really want to go in and make a meaningful impact on the business. Another thing we do that's different is we typically work with existing leadership to go out and rebuild the business. Now, I told you early days, we bought businesses that were distressed. So you ask yourself, why the heck would you work with existing leadership? Well, sometimes they were being led the wrong way or they had their priorities wrong. And so we help shift the paradigm and give them the roadmap on how to kind of get back on a winning path. And so we do that a lot. And again, culture, you know, good business strategy with a strong dose of a cultural injection. Uh, it goes a long way to kind of turning these business around. And then we usually don't pursue deals that are major cost takeouts. That's just not who we are. We sit down and look at businesses over the long term. We were making decade, two decade long decisions, not, hey, given the uh, macroeconomic environment, this business is set to take off. So we really focus on, are we the good long-term holders of this business? And so, you know, the story kind of where good acquisition strategy and culture kind of intersects, like you talked about earlier, uh, Carol, is people are choosing us not because we're the highest bidder, because we usually aren't. People are seeking us out because of our culture. They want to know that the people that help them, if an owner is looking to sell their business, the people that help him achieve him or her achieve that success is going to go to a good home. And that's where we serve. We are not, we are not the best buyer for every company. But when somebody chooses us based on our culture, um, we tend to do pretty well. And you know, we win a lot of deals. We do a lot of transactions. So, and we will continue to do so. We just have a little time left, but we cannot let you go, Kyle, without talking about your dad. My my husband is a small business owner and our oldest son once wrote a college admissions paper saying how hard his father worked, but that he would never want to work with his dad. You are, you represent what so many fathers want, 
when they start a business that their son would come in. Talk to us about your dad and, and what do you bring uh, that complements um, his leadership? Yeah, so I'm very lucky to have uh, my dad, my mentor, my business partner, best friend, all wrapped up in one person. So very, very uh, lucky. And um, we've worked together now for 12 years and it's been it's been awesome. Yeah, there's certain dates that are, I'm sure are rocky here or there, but uh, way more uh, positive ones. You know, my dad brought um, creativity in the terms of his business philosophies, the motivational programs, like those epiphanies that he had that showed culture is kind of really important to running a business. It, it came from incredible creativity and just spur of the moment thinking. And he had, he ultimately developed this tremendous passion for culture, which is a maze for a trained CPA, but this tremendous passion for culture. And he's just, uh, and he speaks about it all over the world today. Uh, and what he accomplished is amazing beyond his wildest dreams. What I bring to the table, um, I bring a bit more discipline, a little more structure and process to the equation. I rely more on data than gut instincts. And additionally, I have a fresh set of eyes. So I came from a background in private equity and other businesses that I was able to bring uh, different perspectives from a different lens when I saw business problems or strategies ahead of us. And so um, the other thing I think I bring, maybe you can get a sense of it now, is I know my team would say is I bring a different level of intensity right now. I say it's good intensity. Um, like the type you would see on the sports, you know, a sports field. I love sports. I love watching sports, playing sports. Um, I love teamwork, feeling the, the benefit of winning together, learning from when we lose together, recrafting strategies to go out and beat the competition. And so, you know, the game of business is very similar to sports. Uh, and again, I love playing it and I thrive on the energy that that creates. And so, um, just it's, it's been a great transition. I grew up with no entitlement, uh, Carol. I was never going to work in the business. No family works in the business. We are a family controlled, professionally run organization with a board and a senior leadership team. I would stack up against any public company out there. And that's, that's where we were going for a long time until my dad brought me back into the business kind of out of the blue 12 years ago to start. Uh, BW Forsyth Partners, and uh, the rest is history, and, and it's and it's great. There is no other family member in the business, so so we'll see how long that lasts. Well, I am walking away with what I believe is a beautiful quote now. The way we lead impacts the way people live. Kyle, thank you so much. Thanks for joining Michael Scully and me for this episode of PNC C-Speak, The Language of Executives. <laughs>